2: presents the Screen Guild Players. The Screen Guild play tonight, "The Pied Piper." The starring players. This is Monty Woolley,
0: and this is Roddy McDowell.
2: Tonight, Lady Esther presents the Screen Guild Players in one of the most charming screen adventures of the past year, The Pied Piper by Neville Shute. It stars Monty Woolley as the 20th century Pied Piper and Roddy McDowell as Ronald. Monty Woolley tells our story.
3: My name is Howard. I'm an Englishman. And if you wonder why I'm in the French Alps in June 1940, why I'm on a fishing trip when England is at war, I can tell you the reason concerns no one but myself. At the moment, you'll find me in the little lounge of our inn. I'm waiting for the light beer I've ordered, and only vaguely aware that the two young Kavanaugh children are in the room. You see, I have a good many things on my mind. A good many things that... uh, Mr. Howard! Mm Hmm? Uh, Were you addressing me, Sheila?
0: Yes, sir. Will you help me with my lesson?
3: Well, is is that regarded as uh, ethical?
0: Oh, that's quite all right, Mr. Howard. Everybody knows she cheats. Go ahead, ask him, Sheila. Mr. Howard, I have to name five states in the United States, and I can only think of Texas. Texas,
3: eh? Well, well, I see now. Texas, and and then, uh... Well... uh, There's... California?
0: That's right, California.
3: Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Virginia. Virginian cigarettes, you know. And uh, uh, Florida. And uh, Rochester.
0: Rochester? That's not a state, it's a city.
3: May I inquire, Ronald? Did anyone ask you? No, sir. Then you will be doing me a great favor by keeping your irresponsible conjectures to yourself.
0: Yes, sir.
4: Oh, there you are, Ronnie.
3: I hope you're not annoying Mr. Howard.
0: Dad, is Rochester in the United States a city or a state?
3: Uh, Rochester's a city, of course. Mr. Cavanaugh, have you any corroboration for that statement beyond your bare, unsupported word? <laughs> I beg your pardon? Mr. Howard told
0: Sheila that Rochester's a state, and it isn't.
3: Well, I've never heard the question raised before. Mm, what would you say, sir, if I informed you that I myself have visited the state of Rochester? Well... <laughs> <laughs> Of course, uh, in that
4: case, naturally, I'd be compelled to say that... It's
5: time for the English news, dear. Will you try to get it on the wireless? Yes, I'll
4: try. If Jerry hasn't jammed the wavelengths again so that he can't make... And it would be idle
2: to deny that Britain today faces a dark hour. The enemy continues to advance. More channel ports in France and Belgium are under German control. The French army has fallen back again. And there are signs that Mussolini is preparing monsieur to...
4: Monsieur you'll be here. Quiet.
2: Under such circumstances, we must be prepared for any eventuality, even invasion. But we shall never surrender, not while we have a single...
4: I believe we've all heard enough. Ah, tiens! It is what I have said, monsieur. It is a great mistake to fight Hitler. He is too strong. It is better if we make terms with him
3: while we can. Are you quite finished? But, of course, monsieur. Then allow me to inform you, sir, that if you ever again address one word to me, I shall thrash you within an inch of your life. Now, will you please inform the management that I shall be taking the 9 o'clock train for Paris?
5: Mr. Howard, under ordinary circumstances, I shouldn't have dared disturb you at your packing. But you see... My husband goes back to Geneva tonight. His post is there. And I can't let him go alone. If... if anything happened. Of course. There's no question now that all of France will fall. And we think Hitler will go after Switzerland next.
3: Filthy little gutter, Sniper.
5: Oh, we are not afraid for ourselves. It's the children.
3: Yes. Yes, you should send them someplace where they'll be safe.
5: That's just it. Oh, Mr. Howard... Would you take them with you back to England? To what? Just to Plymouth. My sister would meet you there.
3: You mean that boy, too?
5: (laughs) Please, I know about this afternoon. Ronnie didn't mean to be rude. He's really a very good child. And Sheila would be no trouble at all.
3: Sheila, I admit, seems to be a very decent sort. But the boy... You understand, Mrs. Cavendall, it was never a matter as to whether Rochester is a state or is not a state. That is a question for the authorities to decide. <laughs> it was his stubborn, dogmatic attitude.
5: I'm sorry. I
3: naturally do not expect parliamentary rules from a child, but, uh, well...
5: I'm sorry. It was really too much to ask. No, no,
3: no. No need to fly off the handle, you know.
5: I have no reproaches, whatever, I assure you. Uh, just a moment. These children, are they, uh,
3: capable of clothing and, uh, unclothing themselves... and, uh, uh, tending to themselves in... well, the conventional emergencies.
5: Oh, but of course, of course. Do you really mean...
3: Mrs. Kavanaugh, I have had very little association with children for many years... and I am, I am far from robust. But if you feel that they can exercise a measure of patience and sympathy with me... I should be glad to have them as travelling companions. By instinct, I'm a man of my word. By a rational process, I sometimes regret it. Once on the train, the children were the least of my troubles.
4: des Le train va plus loin Le train va
0: plus loin Mr. Howard, he says the train doesn't go any further.
3: Ronald, I know my rights as an Englishman. Hey, you there, you there When does the next train leave for Paris? Monsieur, do you not understand? The Germans have crossed the Marne. The whole front is breaking. Maybe the trains will never run again. No doubt about it, the trains very definitely had stopped. But Ronnie soon discovered that a bus was leaving in the morning. So after sleeping the night on the floor of the crowded railway station, once again, we were on our way.
0: It isn't so bad, is it, Mr. Howard?
3: Well, I, I must say, Ronnie, this is very really clever of you. Thank you, sir. Very clever indeed. I expected if you could break yourself of a certain insufferable pig-headedness... Yes, sir. Well, now, let's all have a bit of chocolate by way of celebration. You, Sheila. Thank you, sir. You, Ronnie.
0: Thank you, sir. And
3: you... Who is this child?
0: Mr. Howard, do you remember the lady who slept to us in the station last night?
3: Her mother? Well, where is she?
0: That wasn't her mother, sir. That was her aunt.
3: Well, where's her aunt? What is this? Why are you children goggling at each other?
0: Don't read Le Papier, René. She wants you to read this paper, Mr. Howard.
3: Henry Tenoir, Dickens Hotel, London. That's her father. He's a waiter. With what possible interest could his address... So that's it.
0: But, Mr. Howard, they hadn't any home. The Germans burnt it
3: down. They
0: didn't have anywhere to go at all. Don't you see? Come one,
3: come all, eh? But you wouldn't want them to be
0: caught by the Germans, would you, sir?
3: Well, that's not the point, sir. But, Mr. Howard... Will this make it clear? I tear this address to bits. Now, 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 my dear child.
0: Her name is Rose. I like her very much. My
3: dear Rose, you understand that I have nothing whatever against you personally. It is simply that I do not propose to be imposed upon
0: She doesn't understand what you're saying.
3: Then perhaps you will. Not to keep you in the dark about it, I do not like children, particularly you. Yes, sir. Well, when we get the shot, I shall turn her over to the authorities. Yes, sir. It's the only intelligent way to deal with it. Yes, sir. No use crying, any of you. Tears are lost (laughs) on What is the name of that hotel?
0: The Dickens Hotel, sir.
3: Never heard of it in my life.
0: Oh, thank you, Mr. Howard. Rose won't be any trouble at all.
3: Think I'm a sentimental old idiot, don't you? Well, let me assure you, I am not in the habit of turning helpless little children off a bus. Though I dare say Rose might have been safer if I had. Three Nazi planes came roaring out of the sky and dropped their bombs. Then, not satisfied, the filthy beggars turned and opened their machine guns on us. After that, the bus stopped running, too. So we moved forward on foot. We walked till dark. Then, in a little deserted barn, prepared to settle for the night. I was assigning the children to their places You there, Rose? Oui,
0: monsieur
3: Sheila, here? Yes, sir Ronnie, over there Yes, sir And... Oh
0: There's one more of us now, sir
3: So I perceive You lad, are you with us now?
0: He can't talk Who is he? His name is Pierre
3: How did you learn that?
0: He told us
3: But he can't talk No, sir But he told you
0: Yes, sir Mr. Howard, may I speak to you privately, sir?
3: By all means,
0: father. He was in the bus, sir. Didn't you see him? No. His father and mother stayed in the bus. Now they're dead, sir.
3: I see. Come here, lad.
0: He can't speak. I don't think he can hear either. Rose, you bring him over. What's he a monsieur?
3: Now, don't be a frightened young fellow. I just want to look at you. That's all. Right. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> Ronnie, you'll watch after him.
0: Yes, sir. I'll take care of him.
3: Good boy. All right, children. Everyone to sleep.
0: Mr. Howard.
3: Ronnie, aren't you sleeping yet?
0: just wanted to say, sir, I'm sorry I was rude the other day about Rochester. Oh, quite
3: all right, quite all right. It doesn't matter in the least.
0: I was wrong, you know.
3: Not at all, not at all. I may very well have been wrong myself.
0: But I remember it very clearly now. You do? Oh, yes, indeed, sir. Rochester's not a city at all. It's a very important industrial state.
3: Well, not such an old fuddy-duddy after all, eh? I should say not, sir. My memory may have gone a bit ragged here and there, but when it comes to geography, you'll generally find I'm still pretty good.
0: Oh, I can see that, sir.
3: That's decent of you to acknowledge it, too. Thank you, sir. Good night, my boy.
0: Good night, sir. Mr. Howard, where are we going from here, do you think?
3: Ronnie, I am not exactly in the habit of thinking. I promised your mother I'd take you to England, and that is precisely where we will go.
2: And so ends Act One of The Pied Piper, starring Monty Woolley and Roddy McDowell. Before we hear Act Two, a word from our hostess, Lady Esther.
1: Deep in the secret hidden places of many a woman's heart is the belief that she could be quite fascinating if only she put her mind to it. And in a way, that's quite true. A woman can make herself look more fascinating. And the way to start is with the face, which is your subject, you, and frame it as you would frame a lovely painting. Now, the very first step, perhaps the most important step of all, is to find a truly flattering face powder. By that I mean not just a covering to hide the shine, not just a lifeless film or coating on the skin, but a face powder that adds extra glamour and beauty of its own. So many women have written me that just changing to Lady Esther face powder has made a thrilling change in their appearance. They say my powder does wonderful things for the appearance of their skin, helps to make it look softer, smoother and more youthful. They say it gives their skin a certain Clean, fresh, translucent look that everyone admires. Well, there's a very good reason why my powder is so unusually flattering. You see, Lady Esther face powder isn't just mixed, just sifted, the way ordinary powder is made. My powder goes through the patented and exclusive Lady Esther twin hurricane process. The tiny particles of colour and powder are blown together with the force of hurricanes until they're perfectly married until they're no longer divided and coarse, but now unified and smooth. No longer separate powder particles, but a perfect, delicate film of beauty for your skin. Try Lady Esther Face Powder and see how much smoother it is than ordinary powder, how it helps hide little lines and blemishes. See how deep and lovely the shades are, how Lady Esther Face Powder adds instant new beauty and interest to the appearance of your skin.
2: And now, act two of the 20th Century Fox production The Pied Piper, starring Roddy McDowell as Ronald, and Monty Woolley as the modern Pied Piper, who continues our story.
3: One man and four children our little cavalcade plodded slowly on toward England. But the going was more difficult now. There were German soldiers everywhere. And while the children could pass as natives speaking fluent French, I myself had always found the king's English quite sufficient for my needs. Still, I had no illusions as to what would happen if we were questioned. And so I determined on a little game. I told the children I'd pretend that I was very old and very deaf.
0: And a little crazy too. Crazy? Just a touch, sir.
3: Hmm. Not well, bad at that, Ronald. Mouth open, sort of thing, you mean? Know? Babbling a bit?
0: No, sir. I think that might be a little too much.
3: Overdoing it, eh? Well, how about this sort of expression? How do I look?
0: Wonderful, sir. Perfectly awful.
3: I must say, I have never considered myself as having any thespian talent, but at least we got through to our immediate objective. To be specific, to the home of the Rougeron family in Chartres. My son and I had spent the previous summer with them at St. Moritz, and I was hoping they would help us now, and I can assure you they did. Madame and her daughter were a bit startled, no doubt, but they ushered us quickly into the house.
5: But, Monsieur Howard, you did not have these children last summer.
3: Madame, some of them I did not have last week. But allow me. Madame Rougeron, Mademoiselle Nicole. This is Ronald, a fine lad. This is his sister, Sheila. This is Rose. This is Pierre. And this is... Oh, I say.
0: His name's Willem.
3: We seem to have a new one. When did he join us, Ronnie?
0: Oh, he's been with us on and off since yesterday. Monsieur Howard, you mean you do not know who he is?
3: Mademoiselle, on this trip, that doesn't seem to be necessary. Where did you spring from, my boy?
0: I in England pardon my here that is Dutch. his name is Willem, not William Willem.
3: How do you know, Sheila?
0: He told us,
3: Madame Roujon, Mademoiselle. I beg you to listen to this, Sheila, do you speak Dutch?
0: Oh no, sir.
3: Do you understand Dutch? No, sir, but he told you
0: <laughs> yes, sir.
3: Then in what language did he tell you?
0: In no language. He just told us.
3: You see, ladies, it's some system of Lilliputian communication.
5: (laughs) Oh, oh, the poor little ones. Maybe they would like something to eat. Oh, Oh, then come with me, children. Come this way. Oh,
3: Mademoiselle Nicole, I am occasionally seized with the conviction that I am convoying a troop of guinea pigs.
0: Monsieur, you understand that you are in great danger here.
3: Yes, yes, I know. I shan't involve you and your mother. I was hoping to see Colonel Rougeron.
0: We have not heard from my father for several months.
3: Ah, you have my sympathy, Mademoiselle. I too have suffered a loss. You remember my son John, of course. Yes, of course. And I regret to inform you that he is dead. He was in the RAF, you know, shot down over Helgoland two months ago. He a very decent cover himself, I understand. Took three of them to bring him down. I know. You do?
1: He had been writing to me.
3: He had?
0: We loved each other. We had planned to tell you.
3: I had no idea.
0: There were many letters from him. And in another one, not from him. From his squadron. From a friend. You know what it means, and so for a long time you don't open it. And then, at last, you open it.
3: My dear child.
0: And then, after that, your whole world is darker than it was before.
3: I have no idea what we'd have done without Nicole. Through friends, she made arrangements with a young French fisherman. He was going to England to join de Gaulle, and he would take us with him on his boat. You could imagine how I felt. as, under cover of the dark, I herded my little flock together at the water's edge. Sheila, be quiet. Yes, sir. Ronnie, keep them still. Yes, sir. Nicole, are you sure you won't come with us to England? I'm sure we are at war. My place is here. But afterwards.
0: Perhaps afterwards I shall oh! come. Make no move, please. You're under arrest.
4: Really, Herr Howard, you must think we are stupid. An English gentleman traveling across France with five children, anxious only to get back home. A pretty and most disarming device.
3: It happens to be the truth.
4: English truth. You will speak more freely before we are through with you.
3: Major Deeson, if your intention is to frighten me, you are wasting your breath. Sir Howard, we are no longer dealing with children.
4: You know very well that the German fleet at Brest was bombed during the Führer's visit.
3: I didn't know it, but I am glad to now. You know who caused that raid. It was you. You
4: and Charendon. Charendon, we have already arrested. He will not talk, perhaps, but you will.
3: You will tell us how that message got to England. I shall tell you precisely nothing, because there is nothing I know. Oh,
4: Lieutenant, take him away. Major.
3: Just a moment. I say, Major, did they get him? Get whom? Hitler.
4: Of course not.
3: <laughs> That's too bad.
4: hungry, Herr Howard.
3: Would you like to talk? Major Deeson, I am exceedingly hungry, but unless you indicate conversational possibilities more pleasant than those we have had before, I shall be most content to save my breath.
4: We executed Charendon this morning, Herr Howard. Does that mean anything to
3: you? Major Deeson, I regret, of course, that an Englishman has died. But faced with the alternative of an endless visit with you, I am sure he was most happy to go.
4: Really, Howard, you puzzle me. If you are a spy, you are at least a very clever one. What did you intend to do with these children? I don't know. I hadn't thought. Send them to
3: America, I suppose. They'd, They'd be safer there. And in America, what would they do? Starve? I don't think so. I have a married daughter there. She'd make a home for them till the war is over.
4: Howard, I do not believe one word of your story about these children.
3: Oh, I will say anything you wish, if only you let them go. What about the Jewish child? Jewish? Which Jewish child? The dark one. He's Dutch. It didn't occur to me to ask if he were also Jewish. And in America, they would accept a Jewish child? I don't believe they would turn down any child. Even a German... Even a German—that's what I said. Are you positive? Well, we've already sent them so many thousands of our own children. There were never any conditions that I know of as to color, race, or religion. Mm. Uh, all right, Nand.
4: Good. He cannot hear. Mister. Howard, how would you like to continue your trip to England? Not without the children. That is what I mean. Listen carefully. I have a little girl in my care, my niece. Her father, my younger brother, was killed in Belgium. Her mother, we learned later, was not wholly Aryan, so we had to dispose of her. But the unfortunate problem of the child remains. Half Aryan, half Jewish. She happens to be a sweet child. And she would be better off with my older brother in the United States.
3: She would be safer, you mean? If you wish.
4: My brother's name is Rupert. Rupert Beeson is an American citizen, and he has a business of his own in New York State, in a city named Rochester. City? The city of Rochester. Rochester, New York. Are you positive? Of course I'm positive. What are you talking about? Haven't you ever heard of Rochester? Oh, yeah, yes, yes, of course. (laughs) Very well, I will give you his address later, when I bring little Anna to the boat.
0: turned on the motor. That means we're pretty far out, doesn't it?
3: Yes, Ronnie, we're really on our way.
0: Oh, I'm glad, sir.
3: Are the children all asleep?
0: Yes, sir. They're all below. Sheila is taking care of little Anna. I think I'll turn in too, sir. I just came up to say good night.
3: Good night, my boy.
0: Good night, Mr. Howard.
3: Oh, uh, uh, Ronnie. Yes, sir? There's, uh, there's a little matter I think I ought to clear up with
0: you. What's that, sir?
3: Can you remember our little... Discussion regarding uh, Rochester.
0: Oh yes, sir, but I told you.
3: I know, but uh, it seems we were both wrong. We were. Yes, happened to be talking over you know, with a fellow the other night. The fellow knew all about it. It's not a state at all. It's a city, a city in New York State.
0: Well, now isn't that odd, sir? That we both should have made that same mistake.
3: Huh? <laughs> You're a very good boy, Ronnie. One of these days, you'll make a first-rate Englishman.
2: Thank you, Monty Woolley and Roddy McDowell, for bringing us tonight the heartwarming story of the Pied Piper. The Lady Esther, Screen Guild players, thank you indeed.
3: It was Roddy's pleasure as well as mine to be here, Mr. Bradley. We're all aware that the benefits from these programs go to support the Motion Picture Country House and Clinic, and we know how important this charity is to our industry. Thank you, and good night. And now...
2: And now, before we tell you about next week's program... Here's a word from one of America's best-known beauty authorities, Lady Esther.
1: You just can't use Lady Esther face powder without looking younger, lovelier, more exciting. Now, I'm not saying this. Thousands of women are saying it. Women all over the country who have listened to me, just as you are listening now, and decided to try my powder and see for themselves. If it is really so different from ordinary powder, so much more flattering. Well, their us say that they've convinced themselves. Yes, every day women are discovering that Lady Esther face powder, made a new way by my patented twin hurricane method, is a delightfully new and different kind of face powder. Not only is the texture softer and smoother by far than the texture of ordinary powder, not only does it cling longer and keep the skin looking cool and fresh in hot weather, but even the shades are deeper toned and more lively shades that add extra glamour and excitement to your summer skin. So why don't you, too, try Lady Esther Face Powder? There's no better judge in the whole world than your own eyes. And unless you're very different from thousands of others, I'm sure that what you see in your mirror will convince you that Lady Esther Face Powder is the most flattering powder you've ever used.
2: Next week... The Lady Esther Screen Guild players will present a delightful radio version of Skylark. It will star Preston Foster, Alan Joslin, and Ginger Rogers. Be sure to listen. Monty Woolley can soon be seen in the 20th Century Fox production, Holy Matrimony. Roddy McDowell appears through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox and can soon be seen in the Metro-Golden-Mare production, Lassie Come Home. Music on tonight's program was arranged and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. To help your government save tin, buy the larger size of Lady Esther face cream. And at the same time, you will save yourself money to invest in war bonds and stamps. This is Truman Bradley speaking for Lady Esther, saying thank you and
3: good night. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.